Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. How good it is to know some of those ancient words. As I was uh, singing right along with you, it just struck me. Every now and then things strike me in odd ways. And I was thinking that those ancient words, we have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. How can something be new that's 2,000 years old? They're all ancient words, right? They're all ancient words come from the ancient of days and they ring true whenever we read them and when the Holy Spirit ever applies them and impresses us with them. I want to share just a, a little bit of those words today as we're getting ready to gather around the Lord's table and have communion together. This is our first fruit Sunday here in April. And so we'll all remain here. I won't dismiss any of the young men and women or elementary students to Sunday school today. When we take communion, we take it as a family and we, we want everybody whose heart and faith is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ to, to commune with him as well as with one another. So let's just bow and ask God to make this a very special time. Heavenly Father, we do delight ourselves in you. We do find a place of freedom here in the worship of you. And Father, we pray now as we submit ourselves to you, as we consciously would say to one another and to you and to ourselves, we want nothing to do with the fallen one of this world. We want nothing to do with the devil and his temptations and his desires and his lies and deceptions. So, Father, we submit ourselves to you. We communicate. We want nothing to do with him. And, Father, your word says he will find no place here. He will flee from us. I wish he would sometimes take bodily form that we could just see him go. But we believe your word. And so here we stand in the presence of God, in the company of fellow believers, about to open the word of God and to prepare our hearts to have communion with the Son of God and all the heavenly hosts have to be thrilled that a body of fallen yet redeemed people would do such a thing. So we ask your blessing and your grace and your enabling of us now, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Emmaus message. I only have one more week that I can use that sermon title, that series title. But as you know by now, that is the title. That is the title of this little series of messages leading us up to and through Easter Sunday. And our focus, and this is where the title of the series comes from, our focus has been upon the incredible Bible lesson that Jesus himself gave to two weary, discouraged disciples that he found on Easter afternoon trudging along their way home 
down the road to Emmaus. These men that Jesus caught up to, these two did not believe the reports that had begun to circulate even that day by some of the women of the disciple band who claimed they had seen Jesus even that morning. They did not believe those reports. They were still too overwhelmed by the horror of the crucifixion. Way too overwhelmed. The visuals still in their minds to to entertain such outlandish reports. You see, their faith in Jesus, their understanding of what he had come to do had been severely shaken. They were downcast and demoralized. And then Jesus himself, whom they didn't recognize. In fact, the Bible says they were kept from recognizing him. Because God wanted them to be just impacted by the truth of what his son was going to say to them. And so Jesus himself, whom they did not recognize, caught up to them on the road and he told them, after he talked to them a little bit and found out why they were so bummed out, why they were so discouraged, he told them that they had misunderstood or perhaps had just forgotten about the many scriptures that explained why Jesus had to die exactly as he did. He reminded them that Jesus himself had told his own followers that these things that had happened to him would happen to him just as they had happened. And then the lesson began. The lesson began. And here's how our series key scripture put it. We find it in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. Our series key scripture, it says, and beginning with Moses, that is with the book of Genesis, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, that is Jesus, Explain to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him. That was going to be quite a lesson. It was a good thing. It was a seven-mile hike to Emmaus. Because Jesus started in Genesis, went through the five books of Moses, went all through the history books, went through the words of the prophets, all the way up to Malachi and explaining every place where there was something about him, the Son of God, the one that they had put their hopes in as they watched him over the previous three years. Now, as he did that, he spoke, in fact, I would say, as he spoke, it was like they had never read or heard those scriptures before. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever read the Bible, picked it up and read something? It's like, wow, have you ever? Now, please don't answer this. I'll just keep my own suspected answer in my heart. Have you ever on a Sunday morning heard me say something and you say, wow, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. That was awesome. Carol Lee, jot that down. I think that's what was happening to these men. As Jesus began to go through the scriptures with them, it was like they had never read this book before. Never heard those scriptures before. 
It was like the spirit who had inspired the writing of those scriptures was right in that moment engraving them on their hearts. Here's the testimony they shared by the end of the afternoon. Luke chapter 24, 32, we find it. And notice the time frame here. This is not something they said after it was all over. They didn't have this reaction after it was all over, though, yes, they did say this after it was all over, but listen to what they said. They said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us? They didn't listen to the whole seven-hour lesson. Go home, ponder it, and then say, wow, you know? No, they said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. I believe the very first word Jesus said. Their ears perked up, their heart opened up. It was like we never heard, like the people said all through Jesus' ministry, no man's ever spoken to us like this. That lesson Jesus gave was transformational. In fact, we could say the words of Jesus were were like a blowtorch that started a fire in them that nothing could put out. Now, over these past three weeks, we have been imagining that we ourselves were listening in on the things that Jesus shared with them that afternoon. Now, we have a pretty good idea of what those things would have been because we have the same scriptures still that he had. So if he's going through the scriptures sharing with them what the scriptures say about the one who was to come. But then those are the same scriptures that share those truths with us. And so far, we have imagined Jesus identifying several things that are right there in the scriptures that you certainly wouldn't skip over if you were trying to explain what he was explaining. So we saw three weeks ago that this Jesus of Nazareth, that was their term for him, this Jesus of Nazareth, who we had hoped was the one who was to come, was turned over and crucified. So he explained to them that using that same term, this Jesus of Nazareth was the devil destroyer that God had promised in the Garden of Eden. God said that directly to the serpent. The seed of the woman will crush your head someday. There's a battle going to be fought and a human being is going to defeat this enemy of God. He would be the devil destroyer that was promised. Secondly, I'm sure he covered this Jesus of Nazareth was the sin offering that God had provided for all who would believe in him. And certainly he would have pointed out that this Jesus of Nazareth was the prophet that Moses had predicted would come. The one who would bring God's final words with him. I believe the fire in their hearts was being stoked by every word that Jesus spoke. And there was still more to be said. So let's resume our listening today. Let's believe we've been on pause for a little bit, and now we're going to just hit the the play button, and we're going to pick right up listening to Jesus talking to them, talking them through the scriptures in the way he's been doing. So here we go. Imagine 
the Lord Jesus just continuing on now, speaking to some guys who are pretty excited. He says, my dear friends, I can see that your minds are being enlightened and that your hearts are being inflamed. Allow me now to address the very identification of Jesus of Nazareth that up until now has been the most important to you. You were absolutely right to believe that Jesus of Nazareth is David's long-awaited heir. What Jewish patriot would ever forget these words recorded in 2 Chronicles? We know it's 2 Chronicles 2, 21, 7. It says, because of the covenant, because of the covenant the Lord had made with David, the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David, let it pass away. He had promised to maintain a lamp for him and his descendants forever. A covenant made with the great King David. Those words were written nearly a thousand years ago. And yet to us Jews, it's as though God spoke them yesterday. Generations of us have yearned for the day when that lamp, that continuation of the house of David, our greatest and most worthy king, would come. You were right to believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the one. Now, the story of his birth has become familiar to all of his followers. Here's how you have heard it and how one day it will be written down for all the generations to come. It will be told. It will be written down. You've already heard it said among the followers of Jesus these last three and a half years that Joseph... His father, Joseph, also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he, Joseph, belonged to the house and the line, the family lineage of David. Jesus of Nazareth is of David's line. He is David's heir. God revealed that fact to the Magi who came seeking him following his humble birth in Bethlehem. Remember the question they asked of Herod, the usurper to the throne at the time? These words have no doubt been repeated by you again and again over the years since they were first spoken. Matthew 2.2. They asked, where is the one? Where is the one? who has been born king of the Jews. Herod, of course, shared neither their enthusiasm nor the satisfaction their words stirred in others. You remember he initiated what has become known as the slaughter of the innocents when he commanded the death of all baby boys two years old or younger that lived in the vicinity of Bethlehem. Now God protected Joseph and Mary and their young child, and Jesus grew to manhood in relative obscurity. Up in the out-of-the-way town of Nazareth. However, during these past three years, his has become a household name. And so, 
Just one week ago, the people of Israel exploded in public praise as Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem on the day that will become known forever as Palm Sunday. You no doubt raised your own voices on that day shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. We find that in John chapter 12, verse 13. And then, and then things took a turn, didn't they? Jesus acted in ways that you and the others did not expect. He looked like the promised king entering the city, just like the prophet Zechariah said he would, riding on that unbroken colt. The people, the thousands, the people were ready to take up arms against the Romans and to declare themselves independent once again. They perhaps expected him to augment their forces with with several legions of angels. They no doubt pictured the Roman soldiers fleeing in fright, just like so many of their enemies of old had done. But Jesus didn't rally them together. He didn't unleash the heavenly hosts upon the hated Romans. Rather than drive the Romans out, Jesus entered the temple and drove the money changers and the sellers of animals out. It was like he had a bigger bone to pick with the leaders of his own people than he did with the leaders of the pagan Roman government. In fact, as you surely know, Pilate, the governor himself, directly questioned Jesus regarding his identity. Pilate asked him if he were a king, which meant, do I and does Rome Have anything to fear from you? Here is what Jesus said, and these were words that dashed the hopes of many, even as they put Pilate's mind at ease. John 18, 36. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to protect my arrest by the Jews. But now... For now, my kingdom is from another place. Almost like he were saying, my my kingdom is another kind of thing altogether. So he was, and he is the rightful heir to David's throne, but at least for the moment, he says his kingdom is of a different sort. Remember when the Pharisees were trying to pin Jesus down regarding the time when the glorious kingdom of God would come? And Jesus gave this somewhat cryptic answer. Luke 17, 21, he said, the kingdom is within you. The kingdom is within you, might even possibly have meant among you right now. Jesus of Nazareth, David's long-awaited heir, was saying that it is not yet time for the full expression of an earthly kingdom. Rather, the kingdom that Jesus spoke of so frequently and that he valued so highly was spiritual in nature and is therefore available wherever and to whom 
ever. I can just imagine the Lord Jesus drawing these conclusions regarding his kingdom. Think of this, fellas. His kingdom is found wherever his name is honored. Wherever his name is honored, his kingdom is found. And his kingdom is found wherever his subjects are gathered. And his kingdom is found wherever his teachings are followed. And his kingdom is found wherever his followers break bread in remembrance of him. At such a time, when you break bread together, remember that he is. Remember that he is the devil destroyer God promised and the sin offering God provided and the great prophet Moses predicted and the heir to David's throne that the people have long awaited. In fact, fellas, the very next time you break bread together, allow all of these spiritual truths to flood your minds and to inflame your hearts and even open your eyes. And there we stop today. And those of you who are aware of this story, you kind of know how pregnant with meaning those last phrases are. To say, and the very next time you sit down and break bread together, you remember him. Jesus could have said, and, and see what happens. So we come to our final thought, us here in this place. It says this, nothing Nothing should inflame our hearts like thoughts of Jesus, the King. We need to think about that. We need to view him as as the King that he is, as the one who rules over all things, as the one who by his Holy Spirit would exercise control right within our hearts and lives this very moment. And in a moment, we're going to gather around the Lord's table, as it were. We're going to take the bread. We're going to take the cup. And by the power of the Holy Spirit and the enabling of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be like our eyes are opened in a fresh way to see Jesus Christ. And stir us with a stirring that will never end. Indeed, he is David's long-awaited heir, and he is the one who rules over our lives. Praise his name. Wave your palm. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a day that was. What a day that was. Only one day. 2,000 years of of biblical history, 2,000 years of preparation had preceded it, and then just one day is Jesus actually acknowledged as the very king of the earth he is, as the king of the nation that was promised, as the one who would be on David's throne carrying forward in a pure way every, every passionate thought and desire that David himself had. 
Not only would this king be a man after God's own heart, this man would be God. This king would be God showing himself to be exactly who he is. Now, Father, we we just pray in our limited way that we might be able to to have ourselves focused in upon the spiritual truths that have been shared this morning, that the Holy Spirit would remind us of everything we need to know about the Lord Jesus. As much as our minds can hold and our hearts can take in, may these next moments be a a living, breathing, almost reenactment of the deeds of our great Savior and the words that he spoke. For we ask you this now in his name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.